Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is the once and future heavyweight champion of the world, a talk sport special in association with the new movie, Big George Foreman. Over the course of the next hour, you're going to hear from Big George himself. We'll discuss the life and career of the two-time heavyweight king. We'll talk rumble in the jungle, retirement, and of course, the greatest comeback in boxing history. This is the once and future heavyweight champion of the world, a talk sport special. The once and future heavyweight champion of the world on talk sport with Big George Foreman. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Check out my incredible life story in the new movie, Big George Foreman. Only in UK cinemas from April the 28th. It's a knockout. Here comes the heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman. Right now, that was my main goal was to win the world heavyweight championship. You got it now. Foreman comes banging on in the second round. Norton goes down again. A left hand on the side of the head. The crowd here rooting for Foreman. Muhammad Ali was there, hero. Now you're looking in slow motion. The right for the first knockdown. Clean as a whip. He hit harder than George. His reach is longer than George. He's a better boxer than George. And you, George Foreman, all of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. Foreman is all over, Joe Frazier. Frazier is down again. All you got to do is work and pray hard. You can get anything you want. George Foreman is the heavyweight champion of the world. Now, at TalkSports Hours, we've been lucky enough to witness a screening of the new film. Big George Foreman, Mr. Ed Davis, as uh, as a man that ascribed many a person's career over your career, what did you make uh, of them putting this story on the big screen? Well, it was fascinating, really, Adam, because you know, obviously, as you say, we we went to watch the movie, we saw a screener of it, and then obviously George was lined up to speak to me afterwards. Um, it was fascinating, and I think. Most of all, apart from the actual boxing career that, you know, as, as as boxing historians or aficionados or commentators were aware of what he did in his career, what I was fascinated to learn about him was the the historicity, the accurate historical facts of his of his early life, really. You know, having to go to school with, with broken shoes and being teased a lot, not that not being that athletic, but being someone who had rage in him. But also, um, and obviously as George was executive producer on this movie, they must have consulted him a lot. And the fact that there was a lot of love at home for him, which was at odds with what he had when he was out there in the world experiencing it. But in general... 
it's all the things that I did know about George come to life. But we're in this industry. I think it's a movie that's going to stay as an evergreen and will really, really resonate with people. Yeah. Well, as Gareth just said there, he did manage to catch up with the two-time heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman, following uh, that screening of the new movie. And here he is giving his own assessment. When Hollywood does Hollywood, <laughs> I do boxing. I never try to see uh, compete one with the other. The idea that the story was done about my life was a big compliment, though. Did you think that when they depicted you as a young man growing up in privation and poverty and with the broken shoes and being a, a very proud young boy, was that the right depiction of you? That part, my mom, especially my mom moving into these homes, these houses that had rusty old stoves and refrigerator, that made me cry. Really? I brought tears because uh, I can remember sometimes in life it goes so fast and you end up with so many other problems and trials, you forget exactly where you come from. That little piece in the beginning really brought back, brought back memories. Yeah, as I say, it was very emotional watching it. I mean, because I think given how joyous you are as a human being and how much love you have in yourself as a person, certainly the time I've known you in the last kind of 20, 30 years, we forget that you you did grow up in serious poverty, but maybe, as you say, mama was so important, but also... Knowing what it was like to have nothing was really important to you as well. Yeah, and you you can actually forget about those things, but all of a sudden, that movie brought it back home. And so that part of it, I, I can put it in a suitcase and it'll help me from this point on. These bits for me, Gareth, I don't know about you, they're the most fascinating things about us following a fighter's life. We, we celebrate them in the ring, don't we? And we can obviously celebrate all the things that they achieve, which we're going to do over the next hour of of George Foreman. But it's the, it's the backstory, it's the thing from the youth to the, what leads them into the sport of boxing that I find absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and, and, and I think this was a generation who we might not have had in boxing. If you remember... You know, George took it up because he wanted to look after himself. He just wanted to be a street fighter, basically, and, and look after himself. Muhammad Ali had his bicycle nicked, and it was a policeman that taught him to box because he wanted to go after that kid to get his bike back. Mummers were really important to these guys. Um, Muhammad Ali's mother, Joe Frazier's parents, um, he, um, Evander Holyfield's mother. For the, for the African-American heavyweight, mother... Is, is a central figure, and his mother didn't want him to box. She wanted him to do something different. She thought that it would make George a rough, tough guy. But as we see, as the movie goes on, and he, as he develops in his teens, his life changes because of it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to give, I'm conscious when, when I'm talking to you to not give too much away because I know that there'll be a lot of people listening to us that actually want to go and see this movie that might not know too much about uh, George Foreman's backstory. But uh, after dropping out of school when he was uh, 15 years of age and, uh, and moving between homes, as George just explained there, uh, he did make that step into boxing. And as we know, it turned out to be the making of George Foreman. But one person, as Gareth just alluded to there, really wasn't keen on him entering the sport. My mom knew. <laughs> she always feared my temper. She said, you have a temper. She didn't want me to play football. 
anything. She said, boy, you got too much of a temper. And uh, even and she never watched me do a boxing match, period. How lucky were you to go to the core and meet the man that led you into boxing when you were kind of a late teenager, really? You, you saw that advert to join the core and, and uh, the work core. Um, it's something I didn't know too much about your life, but it, it was the first place where you learned discipline and you, you, you really knuckled down. And obviously, you met the man that was going to teach you about boxing. Yeah, that Doc Broders. I went to that job course center and changed everything. It was a bluff. I told the other boys in one of the other job course centers, they, they said uh, they were watching, listening to Cassius Clay and Floyd Patterson box. And all the kids looked at me and said, you're big, you think you're so tough, why don't you become a boxer? On that challenge, I went out for boxing. And uh, I had no idea it would go that far. I just wanted to be a better street fighter. Little did I know it would take up all of my life as it did. It truly is quite crazy, that, because at 15 years of age, as I alluded to a moment or two ago, he drops out of school and he goes to this job corps. And I think he was actually training to be a carpenter and a bricklayer is, is, is what he was doing. Um, and as, you, as, as you've said on numerous occasions when we spoke about George in the past, the... Um, Let's just say he had a troubled youth. He was getting himself into trouble on the streets, wasn't he? And he was talking there about, about street fighting. For that to then lead to what it leads to, in, in quite a relatively quick period of time, Gareth, obviously I'm referring to the Olympics, is quite extraordinary. No, it is. Um, when you think about it, when you, I say that, I mean, I won't spoil it anyway for, for, for anyone who's going to go and see this movie. But basically, <laughs> when he joined the work corps, you know, he was going to get into real trouble. Um, he'd started kind of, well, it depicts him as being not a good guy on the streets, let me put it that way. Yeah. And uh, it was a brief period. And George, once he takes up boxing in the work corps, people find that he hasn't got the skills, but he's got that big right hand, which he became famed for, for knocking out so many opponents, knocking the heavy bag off its, uh, off its chain, off its ropes. Um, and I think it's amazing that when you think back now, and I think of Anthony Joshua in this way. That came to mind when I was watching him going to the Olympics. He didn't know he was going to win against a very, very experienced Eastern European fighter in the final. But George went there and he did it, and the rest is history. I think at the time, he didn't quite realise how big an event or what he'd really, really achieved. Well, that happened in 1968, where George Foreman won Olympic gold for the USA, beating Jonas Sapulis of the Soviet Union, Mexico City. Uh, let's hear from the man himself. I had my first boxing match in February of 67. October of 68, I was an Olympic gold medalist. It was a whole lot to take in. It was unbelievable because I didn't know I was going to win a, uh, uh, an Olympic gold medal. And then to be representing your country with all of the colors on. Boy, what an amazing moment. I've still not gotten over that. It's like a dream that, that keeps that you never that keeps coming on and on. It's unreal to me. Did your life change and your ambition change in that moment then? Because in the in the in the George Foreman story, the movie, as soon as you started winning, even as an amateur, you'd said, I want to be a world champion and I want to be an Olympic champion. Was it winning the Olympic gold? You really weren't expected to win Olympic gold. You were up against a very... I think he'd had he'd had 205 fights already. During the Olympics, 
I'd come in with like 21 boxing match or less. Nobody expected me to win. I was pretty wild and green. But after I won that thing, instantly, people would ask me to sign autographs. And I had a long time before I'd learn how to write my name to a lot of people. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with joy. As George points out there, 18 months starting as an amateur to becoming the Olympic champion. He went into those Olympic Games, Gareth, 16 and 4 as an mm. amateur. And you're right to point out that the, the former champion that he was that he was taking on in that final that you're referring to there was 10 years his senior, an elite amateur with over 200 fight experience. It was truly remarkable what he managed to pull off. Four fights, three stoppages, and as you just said to him there, changed his life forever. Absolutely. The late Jonas Sepoulis, by the way, was a Lithuanian uh, boxer, obviously the old Soviet Union, and, and yeah. I think he, he retired with 203 wins out of 230 fights. So he retired a couple of years after the Olympics. So he was vastly experienced. So George just came in and busted his way into heavyweight boxing. And I think, you know, as he will point out, the rest really was history after that. It was. And we're going to get into that history here in a moment or two. You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year. George Foreman comes out for round one in the red trunks. He can't do anything at all, and it's Foreman just pounding him into the canvas. Two jolting lefts, and Ted Gulick goes down. The referee, Arthur McKenzie, stops the fight in the second round. The winner at the end of the fourth round by a TKO, George Foreman. Do you think you're ready for uh, Joe Frazier? Well, I was ready for Perea tonight, and I think I've just made a great accomplishment. Now I'll go back into the gym and practice more. And with good luck and grace from the Lord, I'll be ready. You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davies, alongside me as always. And it's a real treat, this, to go through uh, the life and times of George Foreman, all in association with the brand spanking new film that he's hitting the cinemas very, very soon, Big George Foreman. Now... After turning pro in 1969, Foreman fought 37 times in a space of three and a half years before facing the WBA, WBC and Ring World Heavyweight Champion Smoking Joe Frazier at the age of 24 in Kingston, Jamaica. What followed will go down in history. Here's the challenger for the heavyweight title, Big George Foreman. The undefeated heavyweight was born in Marshall, Texas, January 10th, 1949, which makes him 24. Foreman won the Olympic heavyweight crown in 1968, turned pro and guided by the canny Dick Sadler, has won all his 37 fights, scoring 34 knockouts. George Foreman, the challenger. I'd have a lot of opponents. Joe Frazier was the only one I was truly afraid of because we looked at Joe Frazier as the giant killer. He just beaten so many guys that were so much bigger than him. Even Floyd Muhammad Ali and and just played around with all these giants. I wanted a title shot, but I didn't want to fight Joe Frazier. I can remember that just like it was yesterday. But you destroyed him in two rounds. Fear would make you do a lot of things. Frazier is being battered in Foreman's corner. Joe's about to go down and shot it. He goes down again. The fight is over. No one trains you 
to be heavyweight champion in the world. There's no book on being it. There's no university or college degree on it. You're suddenly the heavyweight champion in the world and everybody sits on everything you say, every move you make, whenever you break a toenail. It changes your life, yeah? Yeah, it really changed my life because there's no preparing. You don't meet someone, sit down and give you advice and tell you what it feels like to be heavyweight champion of the world. What are you going to go through? It was all a brand new experience. When I beat Joe Frazier, it was probably the last moment during those years that I found happiness. I was joyous. I felt like it was Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis, Joe Frazier, John L. Sullivan. It was like they reigned into my being. I felt like heavyweight champion of the world, and I was happy. Then on, I took on another personality that I could beat anyone. Nobody could touch me. Right now, that was my main goal was to win the world heavyweight championship. You got it now. I like to go out and tell a lot of kids and preach it for a long time that all you got to do is work and pray hard. You can get anything you want. I like to spend my whole life giving that message out. But what about, what more about, so than fighting, more so than fighting. What fight. about your next fight, George? My next fight would be to work with all the juveniles no, that need no, to talk the, to. No, no, in the ring, in the ring. That's the ring right there, the world is all right, George. Thank you very much. When you took on that personality, when you became heavyweight champion in the world, you, you'd you watched the way Sonny Liston had walked around growling when he was heavyweight champion in the world, and you thought you had to act like a big angry bear. Is that right? Well, I met Sonny Liston early. We, he was, I sparred with him. We had the In same Oakland. manager. Sonny Liston was very quiet. His face, he'd penetrate you with his eyes. Didn't say much, and it definitely wasn't in the smiling. So I figured, hey, that's going to be, that's where a boxer's going to be. I'm going to take on that personality. And I took on a lot of Sonny Liston traits. First of Gareth, how much would you have paid to have watched George Foreman and Sonny Liston spar each other? <laughs> that just sounds absolutely amazing. Absolutely. And listen, it's always been the way that the young champions go and meet with the world champions and, and see if they can compare themselves. That's what George was doing. He'd won the Olympic gold, so people obviously were paying attention to him. He had this big punch. And he was around, you know, a guy who Sonny Liston, people feared so much he was like a he was a mike tyson of his day you know he took no messing we know what happened at the end of his life it was a tragic end but george was in the right milieu at that point of course um in the place he needed to be an oakland a real strong african-american working class community very tough community was where he needed to be the fight that he's referring to there just before he was talking about Sonny Liston, obviously with Joe Frazier. I mean, let's put this into perspective for people. And I'm sure that the boxing historians amongst us already know this type of stuff because it's one of those fights that rings true with everybody's memories because of the commentary in there. Down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Everybody remembers that. But in 1973, January 1973, the sunshine showdown of Kingston, Jamaica, where two guys were going into this fight undefeated. We've already told you about George's uh, record of 37 undefeated, knocking out every man and his dog on the rise to that particular fight. But Joe Frazier coming off the back of a victory against Muhammad Ali, undefeated through 29. He, it's interesting to hear from George Foreman there talking about fear going into a fight that he feared Joe Frazier. And he had him down six times yep. 
yeah. in two rounds. A sensational performance that night and really propelled himself to be the elite number one heavyweight in the world. Yeah, and also the most feared man in the world at that point, the most feared sportsman in the world because he absolutely destroyed Joe Frazier. And as we know, in, in, in modern parlance even, you're only as good as your last performance, but this performance was the one yeah. that really put him at the top of the tree. And then that obviously propelled him towards a man that had been chasing him for a long period of time. The icon that is Muhammad Ali at the 1974 Rumble in the Jungle in Kinshasa, Zaire. Been chopping trees. I done something new for this fight. I done wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock. Injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Once there was a battle there. The heavyweight championship of the world at stake. There can be no more pure form and sport than a heavyweight championship fight when two individuals, finally two athletes, climb into the ring. This time, Ali ready, Foreman ready. We're waiting for the opening bell. I was certain I would knock Muhammad Ali out in one round, two, maybe three at the most. I had defeated Joe Roman easily, Ken Norton easily, Frazier, these people who had defeated Muhammad. So I had no fear. I put everything into knocking him out in one and three rounds. After the fourth round, I can remember being shocked that he hadn't gone down. Ali hanging on behind the head. Foreman hasn't been able to push Ali off and set him up. Misses the right hand. Ali is definitely confusing him. The fifth round, I was amazed. Foreman throwing more punches now. Maybe this could be the tactic of Ali to let the man punch himself out. And I realized something different was happening after the sixth round. This guy wasn't going to be knocked down, and he was the most strong-willed human being I'd ever met. What did that fight do for you, George? Well, I can tell you this. I wasn't a happy man after I beat Joe Frazier. If I had beaten Muhammad Ali, I still wouldn't have been a happy man. One more victory wouldn't have made me different at all. But losing that boxing match gave me a rage like none other before to recapture that title. And that boxing match, not only did I lost the championship of the world, I felt like I've lost my core, what was important to me, everything important to me was gone. And I didn't know how important it was until I lost the championship of the world. I was devastated. I'm sure you told me in, in a previous interview we've done you that you went to Paris and hid in a hotel for 10 days because you didn't want to show your face. Is that correct? I made up my mind I was not ready to go back home to the United States at all. I couldn't figure what had happened. I had to put myself together again. I did go to Paris, stayed in a nice hotel, sat there, room service. Nobody saw me and didn't go out. Stayed in the room, brooding, wondering, and trying to figure out what had happened. There's an edge old saying in boxing, isn't there, that anybody can be anything in victory, but it's only in defeat that a man truly reveals himself. And I suppose in this case, Gareth, this defeat revealed a lot, not just to 
to the world, but to, to George himself, because over a period of time, you build yourself up to be something and you start to maybe believe in certain things. And then when you get beaten, especially in the most primal of sports as boxing, it can have a major, major effect on you psychologically as George. And I suppose his career is shown post the Ali fight of how much that fight had a major effect on him. Look, 50 years on, 49 years on, as we are now sitting here in 2023, we can look back now and, and say this was the making of George Foreman, his loss in Kinshasa, Zaire, because mm. you climb the mountain, you've, you taste the riches and, and fame and the accolades and the shiny suits and the shiny cars and the, and, and, and the, the women even, you know, the, the, that's depicted yeah. in, in his life in the movie, that, that he started to enjoy himself and enjoyed the, you know, the attention from all sources in, in lots of ways. But when you fall, you fall hard and there's no preparation to be heavyweight champion of the world. And that moment losing to Muhammad Ali, and I think George has also said this to me, he didn't say this in the interview, he said this to me in the past, he said, you know what I've realised as time's gone on? Even if I'd beat Muhammad Ali in Kinshasa in the Rumble in the Jungle, people would have been stepping past me to lift Muhammad Ali up and hug him because he's the guy they all loved. They wanted him to win. And as we'll see, it was the making of George Foreman. You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This episode of the TalkSport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way. Whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for, Enterprise can help. With over 450 locations across the UK, they're just around the corner. Whether you need a weekend rental, a holiday hire, a replacement car, or you're planning a business trip, home or away, Enterprise are there to help. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Foreman's record, of course, 40 victories, just one defeat, the knockout by Ali in the eighth round in Zaire. Wow's got to come back with now down. Wow, down to the canvas. Foreman punching him again and again and again when it looked like George was done. This time it may be over. This time it may be over. So Frazier struggling Eight. to his feet. George Foreman poised in the neutral corner. Look at him. In total command now. It's all over. The bell almost saved him, but it's over at the end of round three. And Ladue wants some more. And Foreman looks like he's relaxing. I'd like to fight again within a month's time. It doesn't matter who. I couldn't fight Kenny Norton because, you know, I knocked Norton out in two rounds. And his people say, no way they want him to fight me again. And Mohammed, I don't know why he's been dodging George Foreman for two years now. For some reason, he's fought everybody but me. 
You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davies is alongside me and it's a real treat to do this for you. Hopefully you're enjoying it. I'm sure you are. Now then, George Foreman bounced back in his next fight two years later, knocking out Ron Lyle in the second round. He then scored four stoppages on the bounce before facing Jimmy Young in 1977 in Puerto Rico. Close to the bell. The opening round. George Foreman in silent prayer. George in the red trunks. Jimmy in the black trunks. Big George lost via unanimous decision. In the biopic, I don't know if it is true, but there's an, a moment of epiphany when you felt that Jesus was talking to you after the Jimmy Young loss. Is that for dramatic effect in the movie, or was that the moment where God truly spoke to you? Uh, that probably was the most important piece of my life, the most important event in my life because I've gone to uh, Puerto Rico to defeat Jimmy Young, to go 12 rounds to prove to everybody that I had stamina, and I lost that fight on points. Don't remember being hurt at all, going back into the dressing room, talking to myself about now, what are you going to do? You lost the fight. And uh, I considered all the things I, I had acquired and that boxing wasn't that important to me at that time that are winning, I can still go and do this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, death appeared in my conversation. I was talking about, are you going to die? I said, die? I had so much to live for. I fought one moment, I was fighting Jimmy Young, and then in the dressing room, I was fighting for my life. I didn't want to die. And I, no matter how I paced to try to control it, I lost that battle. I told everybody in the room, look, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm fixing to die. I was gone. Death, I realized, was nothing but hopelessness and no chance. There was no chance. And I got angry in this dog dumpyard of nothing and said, I don't care if this is death. I still believe there's a God. I didn't say anything about Jesus because I didn't know anything about I didn't believe in Jesus Christ. But in this dark place, when I said that, I was pulled out, and I was alive in the dressing room again. And that's where I saw blood on my hand and forehead, and I started screaming and haven't stopped yet. Jesus Christ is coming alive in me. And for 10 years, I didn't even make a fist trying to figure out what had happened in that dressing room. It changed my life, the most important change ever. A dramatic change in you as a person, as a, as the way you dealt with people then. I know the stories that you spoke to everyone. You did stand on street corners. You did begin to preach. You took God into your heart. You took Jesus into your hands and your heart. From that moment, from what would have been 1977 onwards, and you were still only 28 years of age... Is that the moment that your life changed and, and you genuinely felt blessed? That moment, everything changed. I was happy, first of all, to be alive. I guess we can all go through life and appreciate and, and be uh, discontented. Uh, but this time, I was happy and I knew the importance of life, number one. 
And then when that moment I hadn't said, when I was dying, I hadn't said goodbye to my dear mother, my children. I had an appreciation for my children, friends and neighbors, all of the people I had mistreated before in my life. All of a sudden, I wanted to tell them, look, I'm sorry. Things have changed. It made me a better person, and it's lingered to this point. Powerful words from George Foreman, from the Muhammad Ali fight to what we experienced in 1977 with Jimmy Young. I mean, the ride was crazy within itself. What wasn't mentioned there is that he had, uh, remember the the exhibition night where he had Foreman versus five and he was was booed into the ring that particular night. He fought Ron Lyle in a fight of the year. He took Frazier on for a second time. And as he's just been speaking about there with the Jimmy Young fight, a fight that he expected to win, went the distance and ended up losing on points and had a near-death experience in the dressing room of which changed his life forever and he found religion and at 28 years of age that's what we're talking about here Gareth he's 28 at this particular point he's experienced all these fantastic things heavyweight champion of the world he decides to walk away from the sport for a period of 10 years yeah I think at 28 you don't know what's ahead of you do you I think you know we only know that looking back and here is a man of 74 looking back with his life being played out in a biopic now and it is an extraordinary moment you you don't know at that stage i mean obviously he's facing his own mortality in that moment in in, in you know he's going through a, a physical panic he's going through some ailment but at the same time he's seen the light if you like he's seen the fact that um and he has does have a faith and his faith suddenly grows and you know, all the things that he's been told all his life by his mother that, you know, you you need to believe in something. This is the moment where it all comes to fruition for him. And in many ways, he, he realizes that, do you know what? Maybe fighting isn't what I need to be doing right now. Maybe boxing isn't what I need to be doing right now. What I need to do is cleanse my soul. And that's what happened to George in that moment. He had an epiphany. It's amazing for me, and I don't know about whether it's the same for you, the amount of times that we find faith and fight sports crossing over. I find it a lot with South American fighters when we're covering MMA, but it seems to be absolutely everywhere that faith crosses over into the fight sports game. Yeah, I think faith is a big thing in in, in fight sports, and it always has been, as you say, because people have... They believe there's a divine reason for why they win and why they don't. I remember Nazim mm-hmm. Hamid always used to say that, you know, everything that he did was already written. Muhammad Ali spoke about that as well. And I think that faith sustains a lot of boxers in what is a very up and down, a very volatile existence in many ways. Guts and glory and success and failure. They're just there all the time for all these guys. Well, it was a 10-year journey. George Foreman went on before he returned to the ring in 1987 to face Steve Zuzki, aged 38 years of age. It took him just four rounds to get the victory. They went on a 23-fight win streak before facing the real deal, Evander Holyfield. And still, go his way that particular night. He was beaten unanimously on points by the former Cruiserweight champion. Evander Holyfield was so skillful, so quick, and he reacted so good. Once that final bell rung, I realized, you know what? This is my profession. And I had said 
1987 when I made up my mind that I was going back into boxing, that I was going to be heavyweight champion of the world. That's how I was going to get money for my youth center. Foreman then had four fights, winning three and losing one to Tommy Morrison, again, this time for the WBO version of the heavyweight championship, before finally getting his shots at the WBA crown against Michael Moore. He was also for the IBF crown on that particular night. Tonight, live from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, World Championship Boxing, as Michael Moore, WBA and IBF heavyweight champion, defends his title against the one and only George Foreman. It's scheduled for 12 rounds. Michael Moore was skillful. I hit him with a lot of good punches early on. Crowd goes nuts as George lands a pawing right hand. They're hoping. In that 10th round, I was able to land that knockout punch. Unbelievable. Now Michael Moore is down, goes Moore on a right hand. An unbelievably close in right hand shot. The most unbelievable thing that ever happened to me. Even now, I sit and think, how in the world did that happen? It happens. It happens. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I got down on my knees, first of all, and thank God. And I prayed. Before I left my uh, hotel room, I said, God, normally I don't say anything about religion or anything after these boxing matches. But if I win this, I'm going to get down on my knees and thank you. And I won. There was on my knees. As referee Joe Cortez waved his arms over Moore, George Foreman knelt in prayer in the neutral corner. In the biopic uh, that myself and the team have just watched, one of the funny moments, obviously, physically, when you were in your 20s and up to 30, you were a huge Adonis. But one of the funny moments was you saying, I'm a bit worried when you came back. You were worried about people, when you took your robe off, seeing your belly. But the, in, in the biopic, they just chant for George, really big George. Is that true? Yeah, the the years that I was out of boxing for 10 years, I had discovered how delicious cheeseburgers were. <laughs> All of the things I didn't dare touch when I was boxing for 10 years, I had like one big party after the other with barbecue. But when it was time to take off my robe, I said, man. A truly remarkable feat, 20 years on from uh, being the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He manages to regain the WBA and IBF championships at the age of 45. He found that that punch in the 10th round to create a history that will, I'll be, I'll be very amazed if that is ever repeated. Yeah, I mean, for, for George, it was a heavenly punch, wasn't it? It was the punch that, that he had to pray for. And uh, it was a, a moment in which, you know, as you say, the oldest heavyweight champion of the world, 20 years after he'd won it the first time. It's just extraordinary when you think about it. I don't know if that's possible today, or maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe someone will come along and and, and replicate that. But uh, it, it's what makes this story about George so special, that he went away and learned so many things and never gave up and knew he could come back. And at this extraordinary age, as a big tubby, Tubby's probably the wrong word. Just a very, very large, <laughs> round George Foreman. Less mobile, um, still with a heavy punch, so durable, and yet able to to take out one of the one of the, one of the young heavyweight champions and regain the title. Quite extraordinary. It's an extraordinary story when the more you think about it and the more you hear it from George himself.
Yeah, it's it's a it's been a true delight listening to him speak about it, and obviously him speaking about his uh, his love for cheeseburgers there a moment or two ago, <laughs> kind of gives us the insight as to where the grill came from in his multi million dollar business post uh, post boxing. You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on Talksport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year. The impossible dream has happened. Heavyweight history has happened. The winner, and once again, heavyweight champion of the world, Big George Foreman. When you wish upon a star. Always remember that song, When You Wish Upon a Star. Doesn't matter who you are, anything your heart desire can come to you. If you just don't give up on your dreams. The once and future heavyweight champion of the world. You're listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davies alongside me. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a little bit of a look back in association with the brand new film, Big George Foreman, that is coming out of this man's fantastic life story, both in and outside of the rink. If you've just joined the show, we have just been speaking about that night against Michael Moore, where he was being outboxed. He landed the heavenly punch, as Gareth alluded to, and he became the two-time heavyweight champion at the age of 45. A remarkable, remarkable feat. That wasn't the end in the boxing ring because following Mora, he went on to take on Axel Schultz, Crawford Grimsley, Lou Soravise, and then finally ending in defeat against heavyweight champion to come, uh, Shannon Briggs. But the job was done, Gareth. He didn't necessarily need to go on after Michael Mora. The job was done. His name already was etched in history, but then obviously becoming the oldest world champion, which will never be repeated in my opinion. Uh, in the heavyweight division, I know that Bernard Hopkins has done it at the age of 50 in, less the, in lower weight divisions, but his uh, his name was well and truly etched into uh, the International Boxing Hall of Fame. For a start, um, George, if Ali shocked the world in, in Zaire, George shocked the world against Mora, but then showed an appetite, not just for, as you say, um, coming back to fight um, Axel Schultz, Crawford Grimsley, Lou Savarese. Uh, look, the thing, the thing is about George... He wanted to prove that he had a little bit more left in him. Obviously, he lost to Shannon Briggs in his, what was it, his 81st fight at that point. 81st yeah. fight um, <laughs> over, and you it know, was, And it was only a majority decision as well. He wasn't like yeah. beaten, beaten. It was a close fight. Yeah, exactly. But he, he, the, the thing is about him, there was he wanted to prove that it wasn't just a fluke, that he still had the power and strength and self-belief and all those things. Isn't it extraordinary how... Those 10 years in which he stayed away and said, discovered the love of burgers and all those kind of things, but also <laughs> filled himself up, filled his whole soul up with with belief and faith and charity and all the different things that we saw him do in the movie, preach to people, go to the street corners, um, help people, find genuine humility about himself after he'd lost it. And I think... I think that's the key with Big George today. And I think we've heard that in all of his answers, that there's a humility about him, a humility about the fact that 
he's taken all the experiences of his life and he's taken the good with the bad and he treats the same his success and his failure um, that they're all learning curves to him they're all moments for him special moments in his career but I think this this link with Muhammad Ali mm. will always be there for him in his life well, the film, Big George Foreman, does feature a touching moment between Foreman and uh, Muhammad Ali in which Ali tries to convince George to return to boxing having found God. Uh, it highlighted a close relationship that went on for years. Well, after my boxing career was over, we started chatting and talking. One of the moments was he tried to convince me to come back to beat Ken Norton. He said, I can't beat him, George. If you beat him, I'm, he made all kinds of promises to me. And I told him I wouldn't do it, but we continued talking on the phone, meeting one another whenever we could. And it became one of the most lovely friendships I've ever had. To this day, I miss him. That's my friend, Mohammed Ali. Really, we were great friends. You've told me before as well, even though you lost to him in the Rumble in the Jungle, he, he's, he's proved to be something of a blessing to you in, in your life. Mohammed was one of the most exciting human beings I've ever met in my life. You see him and coming into the room, you all, you all might get excited. It was a blessing that I met him, and even now his children, all of his children and me are pretty good friends. Who had more grandchildren in the end? Because you used to have a little argument, he used to have a little competition yeah, over that. He's competitive, you know. That boy never stopped being competitive. <laughs> I, he asked me, how many grandkids you have? I said, I... I Hang up my hold of my hand. I have four. He's a high five. Always wanted to compete. Yeah, I, he'd ring you up every morning when he was feeling good, wouldn't he? And say, uh, I've got 12 now. How many have you got, George? Yeah, <laughs> the competition never ended. He loved to talk to me. Uh, I used to, then he got to the point where he didn't speak much. And I'd call him up. I said, Man, I want a rematch. <laughs> he, he, you crazy. I said, so how's your wife? He'd say, she crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy never lost his sense of humor. What a wonder. What a wonder, man. As, as boxing fans, Gareth, you can't help but have a little bit of a lump in your throat when you hear George Foreman, one of the greats, speaking about the greatest in Muhammad Ali. We know what they did in the ring, but to hear that they had such love and affection for each other outside the ring is just, it just warms your heart listening to that. Yeah, I think, you know, the very special relationship that, you know, the the former Nali Frazier, uh, Norton, Shavers era is one that most people, certainly in their 70s now, will look back as their era as like the golden era. It's called the golden era of the heavyweights. And it's one that we look back and go over vicariously through other people and through history and through you know what's been saved and kept and the voices of people like George Foreman their memories of of those moments it's not the same now times have changed but you know I think as as, as Foreman explains he'll never he'll never lose his relationship with Muhammad Ali no the importance of that relationship is is absolutely clear Here's a little bit of a treat for you. Here's Gareth speaking to George. At what point did you put the screensaver, because I know this because you've told me, on your big computer screen in your office at home, you have a particular screensaver on there, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, when I left boxing, I was out of boxing for 10 years. Out for 10 years, and the, the only picture that 
I saved was Ben Muhammad Ali knocking me down. There I was going down from that box, that punch. I kept it and looked at it all the time, mainly because I didn't realize what a big moment that was for sports and for boxing, and it made, kept me humble. As we pointed out a little earlier on, guys, you can you, you know all about yourself when you're winning in mm. victory. It's only in defeat that you truly learn about yourself, and it's remarkable to hear from one of the greats, George Foreman there, keeping the picture of his first defeat, the biggest defeat against Muhammad Ali as a as a memento or a reminder to keep himself humble for life going forward. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's exactly that, Adam. It's that that discovery of humility and, and humility as a strength as well. He was looking at that picture and he's put it on his screensaver as he's got older. He kept that picture. It's become one of the most iconic sports pictures, of course, with Ali standing over him. Um, and George tumbling, he tumbles, doesn't he? Those series of right hands yeah. from Ali on that night when he was exhausted in Kinshasa. He tumbles and he's gone and he can't get up and the fight's over for him. But he, he's kept that as a reminder of this was a life-changing moment for him, a realisation that it doesn't matter how low you felt in that moment, you can always come back from it and find greatness, find greatness in yourself and greatness that other people see in you. And I think you've got to look back on that era as a great era. And, and, and even since then, to mention another film, When We Were Kings proved oh. the greatness of that era. It won an Academy Award. It was very big in the mid-90s when George had obviously come back and had those fights. It was around that time as well, of course. And so... All of these things became poignant, and I think the Rumble in the Jungle is the most watched fight in history, and his relationship, particularly with Muhammad Ali, um, and I think Muhammad Ali's relationship with Joe Frazier is a completely different thing as well, but Foreman um, proving against Frazier twice that he was the man as well has just made it, you know, an incredible journey, and, and out of the three of them, of course, he's the only one still living, the only one still mm. alive. Yeah. Listen, that was a treat. What a treat that was to go back uh, over the story of George Foreman over the last hour. And I've no doubt that if you are a big boxing fan or maybe a sports fan that just dips in every now and again to the big boxing uh, occasions, uh, when that film hits the cinemas, Big George Foreman, you will most certainly be buying a ticket and going to go and watch it because it's an absolute cracker. Uh, you've been listening to the once and future heavyweight champion of the world on TalkSport with Big George Foreman. Check out the movie event of the year in a cinema near you. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.